0: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. He is your favorite investigative reporter. I have in my grabby little hands his new book, Fallout. Nuclear bribes, Russian spies, and the Washington lies that enriched the Clinton and Biden dynasties. The author, the co-author, is John Solomon, along with Seamus Bruner. And, of course, the foreword, so apt, is by Peter Schweitzer, author of Clinton Cash, award-winning investigative journalist, founder of the brand-new superlative book, market now justthenews.com he's john solomon john welcome to america first
1: Boy, that was almost as good as a john williams introduction that was pretty good
0: <laughs> don't I felt me. it building up yeah. don't ask me to write music especially not like that but i can i can do intros i can do oh, intros no, that's okay awesome. thank you um we 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 want to go through the book we've got you in studio uh, we could just go through it chapter by chapter but first things first let let's let's We're not here to do, I love it. I mean, I just love the long-form John Batchelor kind of interviews. He's a mentor to me. But it is drive time in the East. It is lunchtime in the West. We are a national, national station hundreds of uh, terrestrial broadcast stations uh, we are on youtube eleven twelve million views already on our youtube it's youtube amazing. channel so i can 't default to long form so let's let's get operational and, and newsy if we will for, sure. for, for the first segment talk to us about um, the thing that conservatives who care about rule of law are getting so wound up about is the Durham investigation yeah. and the fact that we haven't seen any indictments. You have been at the forefront of the truth on the issue of the, the Russia collusion hoax. We have 98 days left to the election. Do you expect indictments? What, what, what do you think is going to happen in the next few weeks?
1: Uh, you know, until the grand jury forewoman or foreman uh, signs on the dotted line, you never know if there's going to be an indictment. But right. all of the activity I'm seeing in talking to defense lawyers, witnesses, people on the street, is that there is a wide-ranging, uh, accelerating criminal investigation by Durham and also by Jeff Jensen and also by the additional prosecutor looking at um, the unmasking issue. So they're they're doing a deep dive. They've been overseas. They're now at the point where they're gathering documents. They're lining up witness testimony. They're talking about cooperation deals. And so, uh, you know, it has all the hallmarks of an investigation that looks like it's going to end with some form of criminal charges, whether that's a plea bargain or an indictment or a combination of both. And the people who are being interviewed and, and interacting with Durham staff say they think that time just before, just after Labor Day is when it feels like something will be given birth to. That's very consistent with what uh, Attorney General Barr said two weeks ago when he said, I think by the end of summer. Well, the summer yes. is September 21st it ends. So. And uh, Mr. Barr is always a man of precision, so it has to happen before September 21st if, if his prediction is true. But until the fat lady sings, until someone signs on the dotted line, you never know what a grand jury in Washington, D.C., with a 90% Democrat population and a lot of people don't right. like Trump what they would do. But sitting out and open is an extraordinary amount of prima facie evidence of criminality. Documents were changed. A court was misled. Congress was misled. False testimony was given in any other era and any other time there already would be
0: criminal charges. And, and this isn't when you say documents were forged or altered. We're not talking about mortgage applications right. like Paul Manafort. Oh, yes. We're talking about 302s we're talking about fbi agent written interview notes yeah
1: and also a, a document from the cia C- yeah that that one may be the most damning of all explain that
0: to us well what, what what is this document why is it in, important what happened to in it?
1: order to sustain the false narrative of russia collusion they uh, when the cia alerted the fbi in uh, late 2016 hey this carter page guy you're looking at the guy you think's a russian stooge he's our guy he works for us They had to hide that from the court. And so at some point, a FBI lawyer by the name of Kevin Kevin Kleinsmith changes the document to hide the CIA role for for, um, uh, Carter Page, thus deceiving the court, thus deceiving parts of the uh, Justice Department, thus deceiving the American public and besmirching. You know, an American uh, who didn't deserve this sort of intrusion. There's so
0: many. It's like, did you ever play Dungeons and Dragons? I did when I was a kid, yeah. Do you remember there was that one dice that had 20 sides? I mean, this story has, you know, 40 sides to it. It It's not just Russia collusion. It's not just Obamagate. There's just so many things. And the thing you just mentioned, I started off FBI. Then you started talking about CIA. This isn't just one crazy guy, Mm -hmm. one rogue agent in the DOJ. Again and again and again, we find multiple actors across multiple agencies. Is there anything like this in prior um, Washington swamp-like activity? You know, there's a great column in The Hill this weekend by uh, Jonathan Turley, the legal scholar,
1: a liberal by his own. Yes, not a Trump fan. No, not a Trump fan at all, though he did uh, testify in the Trump impeachment. But at the end of the day, he said that there's a willful blindness by the media to, to not look at one of the greatest spying scandals in American history. I think he's right. You now have irrefutable evidence, particularly what was released two weeks ago, or last week, excuse me, showing that the FBI was using counterintelligence briefings of the president to spy on, no, not Mike Flynn, on the president. the president. They were recording his comments about his son, recording his comments. They were spying on the president. And James Comey went to Congress, said the president's not a target. Guess what? He had to have been. Otherwise, the FBI wouldn't have been taking notes about Donald Trump.
0: Now, I, I'm not saying a president gets to do anything, okay? Right. Because we have the special prosecutor statute, we, we have impeachment and sure. removal in the Senate. So, you know, there, there are ways yeah. if a president does something wrong. But but let's just start with the facts. The FBI, the 17 intelligence agencies we have, right. John, why do they exist? Do they, do they exist to serve the Speaker of the House?
1: No. Why are they created? Under the Constitution, they serve the president and the executive, their executive
0: branch. The executive branch. Yeah,
1: but we now have an era where people who work for the executive branch for the president do not follow his orders, do not support his agenda, feel it is their government. That's what, you know, when people talk about the deep state, I like to talk about as the permanent bureaucracy. They feel it's their government, not the American people's government, not the president's rightful government to, to control and to run they feel it's their government. And that is what you saw in the, uh, in the Russia collusion and the Ukraine doc, uh, scandals. Some guys didn't like the president's Ukraine policy. Well, guess what? The American people elected him. He gets to make the policy. It doesn't matter if you like the old guy's policy. You're supposed to carry out this guy. They don't. They leak. They falsify documents. This is a very scary time where the, the re- constitutional republic we've put together is at jeopardy if we don't get it back, if we don't get discipline, if we don't get law and order back.
0: The book is Fallout. John Solomon, Seamus Brunner, nuclear bribes, Russian spies, and the Washington lies that enriched the Clinton and Biden dynasties. Out now. Get it today. Order it. Uh, you say pu- permanent bureaucracy. Other uh, use the deep state. Let, let me just remind our listeners. Why we know it's not a theory, okay? Indictments or not, we know it's real. Mm-hmm. When you have an 05, when you have a lieutenant colonel, that is not a senior rank in the military. I'm not casting aspersions, but a lieutenant colonel in the White House is not a big deal, okay? When he testifies, Lieutenant Vindman, don't call me mister, testifies that he understood the contents of the president's phone call with the president of Ukraine to be disturbing to him, he felt it was his duty to, and now this is a direct quote, to protect the, quote, interagency consensus from the president. Yeah. John, do we vote? I, I, I'm an American citizen now. When I go to the ballot box, I, don't, I didn't see Hillary Clinton, no. Donald Trump and interagency consensus. Or Lieutenant Colonel
1: Vindman. Or Lieutenant Colonel yeah. Vindman.
0: Who, who decides that he's protecting the interagency consensus?
1: This is the new sort of bureaucrat. That isn't that a deep state? Isn't it, that
0: a permanent bureaucracy attitude? It is,
1: it is. And that's what's scary. If you don't have discipline in the chain of command, your government falls apart. And that's yeah. what's happened. This government, left over by Obama, a lot of these Obama holdovers, chose not to fulfill the wishes and the orders and the commands of a dutifully elected president. And, at the same time, they use their most awesome powers of intelligence spying and law enforcement to try to undo and delegitimize his election. That's what makes this so scary. Take Donald Trump out of it. Suppose it was a, a, a bunch of Republican holdovers trying to harm the next president.
0: It's well, still as scary. President Trump has said this again and again and again. What happened in the last yeah. five years must not happen to any president. We're, so talk, right. we're talking to John Solomon. Follow him right now. Jay Solomon reports. The founder, the Eminence Grise, the grand mufti of justthenews.com. <laughs> um, th- a friend of mine has the morning show here in D.C., an amazing radio show, um, Chris Plant. Sure. with know Chris well. Yeah. And, and the reason I ask for a certain piece of music is because he's been saying for years now. You can catch him on Tucker and on Fox he says Oh, yeah, great talent. He says... Um, what happened in America in, in D.C. politics in the last three years is like the last 15 minutes or the last five minutes of the great movie with Sean Connery, The Hunt for Red October. The, the two Russian subs, Soviet subs have been chasing each other. guy's gone renegade, Sean Connery, and then Tupolev, who's been sent to sink him before he hands over this great new sub to the Americans. And at the end... He takes the the safeties off the torpedoes, and Tupolev launches the torpedoes. Sean does a crazy maneuver. The torpedoes miss him and come back to target Tupolev's own sub. And his exo says, just before the monumental explosion, you idiot, you've killed us. Now, (laughs) the Russia collusion hoax, according to Chris, is like that boomerang, that, that last five minutes, because it was Russia, 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 Trump, Russia, Trump, Russia. And then we find out, hang on a second, there is Russian collusion, there is Ukrainian collusion, but it's Wrong not the Trump party. campaign, it's not, yeah. the Demo- it's not the GOP, it's the Democrats and Hillary. Tell so us right. what you found in Fallout, one of the most surprising things that you and your colleague found with regards to why the russia propaganda
1: that's why we that's why we set out to write the book was to put it in a chronological narrative because everything had been so episodic that you didn't know things were connected eight months apart and to answer some of the big questions and the biggest question we want to answer was why did hillary clinton of all the things he could use against donald trump why did she pick Russia? If,
0: if i was you know involved yeah. with russia up to my eyeballs I wouldn't want to use that as the stick to beat the other party with. Well, they doubled down on it because (laughs) what they really wanted to do was scare the Republicans away.
1: They wanted to neutralize Russia as an issue. Why? Why? Because in the summer of 2015, Hillary Clinton did a poll. It was an internal poll, not the ones they released to the public for spin, the ones that tell you where your candidate really stands. And uh, it tested all of her liabilities and scandals in her career. So you've got Whitewater, the Asia fundraising scandal. You've got Benghazi, Travelgate. You can go on and on um, uh, the email scandal. Mm-hmm. None of those registered as the primary impediment to her becoming the president. You know what it did the perception created by Peter Schweitzer's great book, Clinton Cash, that the Clintons cashed in on the failed Russia policy.
0: So they the, the Russia reset said, under Obama.
1: That's right. This was a, a policy where after years of uh, pursuing Russia as a, a, a friend of me, where we did uh, peace through strength, the Reagan doctrine. Friend of me, I like that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we decided that we were going to make them uh, the the recipient of many giveaways, and so over four years, the Obama administration really, because Barack Obama wasn't a big foreign policy guy, his his doctrine was just don't do stupid. Well, I won't say what he actually said, but you know <laughs> what he said? <laughs> stupid stuff. Uh, yeah, stupid stuff. Yeah, um, but you know, Biden was the architect, and Hillary Car- Hillary Clinton clears it out. Uh, over four years, we gave billions of dollars of nuclear fuel contracts away to the Russians, make American electricity customers and the, our utilities dependent on Moscow for years to come. Right. They gave 20% of our uranium ore out of the ground. Which
0: is against statute. Right. America, by law, must be, not just for national security, but for health, for cancer research and treatment mm-hmm. reasons, independently able to source its own uranium. So that yeah. was actually against the law. Yeah. yeah about that. So I didn't know that part. That's absolutely that no, Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: then they went and helped uh, they took all the people in silicon valley brought them over to moscow and said let's build your own silicon valley they call it skokovo today the military intelligence uh, agencies tell us that it's become a, a, an industrial complex for mi- military espionage against the united states when putin got everything he wanted out of this he wanted a monopoly on uranium and y- y- a nuclear fuel he pulled the carpet out from under the obama clinton biden team and he invaded ukraine in 2014 and what we argue in the book is that this is one giant continuum of of failure, so Hillary Clinton has to not only hide the fact that it was a major foreign policy failure, perhaps the biggest in fifty years. Certainly, in, with Russia, she also has to hide the fact that well, all of us were cashing in on it. Bill Clinton gets a five hundred thousand dollar check from Moscow, one of the largest speech fees ever for so American Let's history. be clear here.
0: One speech, speech yeah. half a million dollars while her wife is in government.
1: Yeah, it's a remarkable. And no one thinks it's suspicious, right? If you're a Democrat, they don't see it suspicious. Mm. There are millions of dollars pledged to the Clinton Foundation at the moment. This Russia reboot is going on from people who have an interest in the Russia reboot. There is uh, Barack Obama, after he gets all these American utilities, cheaper uranium. They could have bought American, but they got cheaper Moscow uh, nuclear fuel. Uh, he gets a $10 million donation from the American Electricities. Joe Biden's energy provisor, the uh, guy uh, that you see on television in 2015, after the Ukrainian invasion, going, we can't let Vladimir Putin have a Russian monopoly. Well, that was then. Before then, he was taking money from the Russian uh, Rosatom agency, the nuclear uh, agency of Vladimir Putin, to create a monopoly in the United States. He was helping them do what he was criticizing on TV. John Podesta, the, uh, chair, uh, campaign. Chairman, no, the cam- uh, campaign chairman, also advisor to both President Clinton and President Obama, worked in the Obama White House, too. He, go, he, puts, he gets put on the board of a clean energy company. Now, the Russians aren't interested in clean energy, no. as far as I could tell. Suddenly, the Russians make an investment there. All through this continuum, while they're failing at the policy, they're getting rich on the side. And that's the issue that Hillary Clinton had to neutralize going into the 2016 election. That's what her poll showed.
0: That's a level of cynicism that is even, uh, even for D.C., that's high. Yeah.
1: And I'm, I'm not trying to connect you wires because I found something. I interviewed a senior Clinton campaign official in 2018 who said, you got it all wrong. We didn't really intend for Christopher Steele originally to go to the FBI. We just were trying to neutralize the issue. If we found enough dirt on Republicans in Russia, they wouldn't use it against us. And then it kind of spun out of control. So that's, that's right from the horse's mouth. Incredible. And remember what just came out just a couple of weeks ago in Britain. Christopher Steele's handwritten note says two things. Hillary Clinton was my ultimate uh, client. He tells that to the FBI the first time he ever meets him about the dossier. And two, she was read into it. It had to be so important that Hillary Clinton was read into it. This was not an offshoot. A
0: a former MI6 agent worked in Moscow who, in a court of law in London, said, admitted, he has animus, great animus hatred for the current incumbent in the White House. I think
1: does a a great injustice and a disservice to the men and women of the intelligence law enforcement community and does a great disservice to the uh, citizens of the United States. And that's why I said it was nothing short of treason.
0: (laughs) That's the former director of the CIA, John Brennan, accusing the current incumbent of the White House of treasonous activity, which, if you understand English and how words work, means you're calling him a traitor. John Solomon is with us in studio, and he has the new book, Fallout, Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies, and the Washington Lies that Enriched the Clinton and Biden Dynasties. John, you've shared with us, with our listeners, our viewers, your family background, how uh, yeah. you come from a law enforcement family. I, I don't, but I've spent years, almost 20 years, serving the U.S. military, right. U.S. law enforcement, FBI, the IC, and I, 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 I considered that uh, work of mine as something I could be proud of. Sure. That's changed, hasn't it, in the last four years when we look at these institutions? like the FBI and the mm-hmm. CIA, and at really, when you look at what you've written in this book, what are we talking about at the end of the day? We're talking about the political perversion of the most powerful tools of the most powerful nation. Is, is, that, is that hyperbole, John? It's not anymore. You know what? It, it's how worse than I ever how thought. How does it affect you? I mean, if somebody's been at this from the beginning, taking the slings and arrows, yeah. how does this leave you feeling?
1: Listen, I grew up in a family where FBI agents slept on our couch and the, when they were working with my dad and, and police officers and uh, DEA agents, and I looked after them every day. I was so proud of them. I was so proud to be in a family of blue because they, they did the honest work, and when someone wasn't guilty, they didn't pursue them, and when they were guilty, they did pursue them. I write in Chapter 10 of the book with Seamus that uh, 2009 to 2019 will probably look back in history as the most consequential decade of deceit in American history. Why? Because institutions that historically had been able to stay above the fray of politics, even as politics became more intense, the FBI, the CIA, the State Department, most of the news media, I would argue. I know some people disagree with that, but I think the news media, when we invited them into your living room in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you trusted what they said on the television. Yes. They were trying to give you an honest report. They all got involved in politics, and they all started deceiving us, told us lies. The FBI doctors documents to hire Carter Page's role as a informant for the CIA because they wanted to portray him as a stooge of the Russian government. The FBI and the CIA both have information in the uh, FISA warrant that are inaccurate, uh, knowingly and willfully inaccurate. They continued to portray in the public and in the Congress and in the FISA court that Christopher Seale's dossier was reliable, that there was no derogatory information when everything about him was derogatory and nothing was reliable in the dossier. Very few things. Um, that level of deceit has never occurred before in American history. And the reason it occurred was to undo and de-legi- delegitimize the duly uh, the elected president of the United States. We used the tools that our defense agencies created to attack our enemies with psychological warfare, information warfare, and we turned them on our American people. We are now in a new era of information warfare where the American people are the target, their will, their president. Their votes are all now the object of this misinformation campaign. And if we don't punish people, if we don't get a grip on this soon, uh, we are in grave, grave danger as a constitutional republic. We're closer to a banana republic today.
0: Is that turning of the tools of information, psychological warfare against the American people? Is that one of the reasons, John, that you created JustTheNews.com?
1: I did, so that people could go and trust the facts and not rely on me. Too much of journalism today is dependent on the personality. You know, if you're Ben Smith, you're BuzzFeed. If you're this person, you're that person. If you're CNN, you got your anchors. Uh, I don't want to be the name. I really don't care if people don't ever know my byline. I want the work that I do to stand for itself, and I want the facts to stand for itself. I'm not so arrogant to say you should read just the news and trust me. We created the digging tool for that very reason. Every fact that substantiates what's in our story, every video, audio, document, footnote, is on the right hand side of the article, so you can go check it wow. yourself. And if you look at my book with Seamus, 120 pages of the book are end notes. <laughs> I know. I the apologize. It's almost as
0: big as the flipping it is. first thing It's I almost saw, as big but, as the narrative. These are the yeah. end notes. It's almost as thick as the book.
1: Why did we do that? Because we, are, we want the American people to say, with well, the story that we tell here, can be
0: checked with it's, facts. It's backed up. It's backed up. You look at this White House now, and it's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the sit room. How did that happen?
1: I sent them. Um, <laughs> um, something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration, in the George W. Bush administration, for example, or the Obama administration. In both of those administrations, there was process. And so if the FBI wanted to send agents into the White House itself to interview a senior official... You would work through the White House Council and there'd be discussions and approvals and who would be there. And I thought it's early enough. Let's just send a couple guys over.
0: John Solomon of Justin News. Is it the job of the director of the FBI to game the system when it comes to interviewing a national security Advisor, former three star general and and then laugh about it?
1: Yeah. Apparently, if you can't get him on crimes, that's what you do. Right. Because the day before. Or the week before he did that uh, action and bragged about it, he had uh, been told by the FBI agent, the career FBI agent who had ex- explored Michael Flynn's life upside down for five months, no criminality, no, no case. derogatory, no case, close it down. And then James Comey pivoted to creating a crime that didn't exist. Um, that's the sort of people we have in the government at this moment when it, when it happened. And I think we will look back at history and realize that these deceptive tactics are not the american way they're not the way of a constitutional republic that's banana republic stuff you expect that in some latin american dictator's country not in the great united states of america
0: and let's just take politics out of it completely um what does it tell you what does it speak to you of john that comey laughs about what he did I mean, the arrogance. Yeah.
1: Well, listen, it doesn't surprise me because his agents look down at smelly Walmart people. Remember the text messages? Yes,
0: I can smell the Trump voters. Yeah.
1: The American, uh, the uh, disdain that that particular moment of FBI's leadership had for, for America is evident in everything from the snickers and lies to their heinous behavior to their horrible text messages. These aren't the people that got into the BG men 30, 40 years ago in the FBI. These are politicians masquerading as law enforcement. And until we drive them out, that great flag is in jeopardy. That great freedom that it stands in, that flag is in jeopardy because these people aren't playing by the rules. They're playing by their own personal wishes. Bad for America.
0: So, John, is there, is there any connection between the, the poverty of American politics in the last, you called it the decade of deception, the last four years as well, to what's happening on the streets? Do you see some potential connection there?
1: Listen, I did a lot of uh, document diving into the Soros empire. And at one point, uh, George Soros starts in 2014 when he's talking about the Ukraine strategy. He wants to dominate Ukraine. The, or- the
0: orange strategy.
1: The orange strategy. Uh, and in there, he talks about how important it is for liberal activists that you know, follow the Soros doctrine to cozy up and become friends with the FBI, the Justice Department, because they can be useful for us down the road. Wow. And and you see then, after that time, all of a sudden, FBI agents and and, and prosecutors doing international crimes, like Paul Manafort's case, are showing up at uh, receptions and showing up at think tank things, representing the FBI to the Soros crowd. This was a long-term strategy of George Soros. Hate him, love him, whatever. You have to admire the corporate... Uh, discipline that he uh, put into this, he built a strategy that would try to commandeer the deep state or the permanent bureaucracy to commandeer our college thinking and our college professors to accommodate the debate, to commandeer the democratic party. Uh, We find ourselves in this way because someone spent the 20 year strategy pursuing this uh, sort of idea. And,
0: and it can't be a coincidence no. that Kim Gardner was funded by Soros money in her campaign Not to become all. the Minneapolis uh, prosecutor, right? And right after that, what does she does? She files a false case
1: against Eric Greitens, the Missouri governor, yes. taking down a governor. By the time he resigns, then she goes to the court and says, we don't really have that evidence.
0: There is the evidence yeah. of his impropriety literally disappeared. There is no evidence. They never had it. That's the sad part. And that's
1: why she and her former FBI investigator, well, she's under investigation. He's under indictment. Uh, that is the sort of uh, lawless, disorderly politics that are now being practiced across America. What happened to Donald Trump was a playbook that's been replicated in Missouri. It's been replicated in many places. and And this anarchy... It's right out of the 1960s playbook. We've seen it before, except it's more intense and more dangerous today because more in the media and more in government are willing to apologize for it or or look the other way. At least in the 60s, we spoke up a lot. At least those in government spoke up against it.
0: Well, look, I, I think it was Victor Davis Hanson who made yeah. it to the point last week on our show. The biggest difference between 1968 and today is that back then... You may have had a Democrat mayor wherever the violence was occurring, but he wasn't on the side of the rioters and the thugs. That's all changed. In the last couple of minutes we have with you, and thank you so much for being with us in studio for this whole hour. Would you just share with us, we are 98 days away from an election. A lot of people feel intimidated because of not just cancel culture, but what we're seeing on the streets of America, especially last weekend. You have been through the maelstrom, John. They came after you because you stood out for the truth. I I don't want you to get political, but I want you to share with us your personal experience. What would you say to those people who feel intimidated now for whatever reason, given what you've decided to do in the last four years? Listen,
1: the constitutional republic still works. It was only a few members of Congress. But those few members of Congress used the oversight powers that the Constitution gave them, and they unraveled one of the greatest scandals and farces in American political history. It's still there. You can vote. You have your free speech. Facts are a stubborn thing. Stick to your guns. Don't let the current uh, anarchy and uh, peer pressure deter you from expressing your opinion, voting, doing what our founding fathers gave us, this great right to do. It still matters at the ballot box. It still matters uh, in the uh, uh, court of public opinion, the free speech we're allowed to have. Facebook might censor you one day or Twitter might censor you another day, but you still have many ways to uh, to speak freedom and speak truth, and I think that's what we got to do. We have to stand up. I say in Chapter 10, if this great ruse isn't punished, the temptation to repeat it will be greater and easier next time, Yes. and it may be a Democratic president with a Republican Congress next time. Yes. Who knows? But we have to stand up and punish the people who did this and make a huge
0: deterrent. In in the last minute we have with, with you, John Solomon, who are the heroes who have to be noted? I'd say we have to additionally thank not just you, but also Admiral Mike Rogers. Absolutely. Uh, who, who else should be on that list? Oh, uh, Devin Nunes, Devin
1: who was you know called a conspiracy theorist. So he wasn't very, he turned out him and you put him up against Adam Schiff. Adam <laughs> Schiff loses on the on the, on the facts. Right. Uh, Jim, Jordan, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, um, Matt Gaetz. Uh, Chuck Grassley, uh, Ron Johnson, Lindsey Graham—they've all done their part to try to get to the truth, and extract the truth from a bureaucracy that has not wanted to give it up because they have something to hide. Right. And so, we're, and Sarah Carter, all the great reporters who worked in this—I was so blessed to work with Sarah. Um, it was a fun.
0: There's there's fun a hand, handful. We we talked about it in the break. We maybe did. Six people. Yeah. There's John. There's Sarah Carter. Byron my York. buddy Lee Smith. Byron York. Molly Molly Hemingway, uh, Margot Cleveland. Uh, You're scraping the bottom of the list there when you've got six, seven names. That's an indictment of the press corps. One man who stands up as you should for the truth is the author of Fallout, John Solomon. Follow him now, Jay Solomon reports. Thank you, John, and thank you for the superb inscription. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review.
1: Secretary of State Mike Pompeo gave a major speech last week, outlining a new approach to dealing with China. For many years, American policymakers have assumed that as China became more prosperous, it would become freer, more open, and a responsible member of the international community. We now know these assumptions were wrong. So what do we do about it? The Trump administration is proposing a more clear-eyed view of China. We must recognize that the Chinese Communist Party is espousing a morally bankrupt ideology. Communism and socialism have never worked and never will. We must, in Pompeo's words, engage and empower the Chinese people. And we must also join with the free nations of the world to push back on the ideology of the Chinese Communist
0: Party. Pompeo suggested a new alliance of democracies. That's exactly the kind of bold action we need to meet this great challenge of our time. I'm Lan He Chen. The Pepperdine School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate program for leaders. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.